Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon here with co-host Eric Trexler. Eric. Rachel, this is going to be a great part two with Jags. The stories from last week continue. Yes. We're going to move to the Middle East and we're going to talk about a little modern day story that just happened in July of 2021. It's going to be fabulous. Yeah, I've, I so many questions too. I, I can't wait. I, I It's been so hard to wait a week for this episode. I don't know about you, but I have been so excited for this one to come out. It's good to so. tease the listeners. Exactly, exactly. Because how often do you wait for things anymore? Because when you do though, it's, it's horrible and painful. Uh, Agreed. So anyway, with that, <laughs> let's kick off part two with Jags from Sentinel One. Yes, let's do it. Absolutely. Well, we're talking about kind of, you know, attackers kind of finding their rhythm or finding their way. Um, you know, you recently wrote about this I- Iranian train attack, and I-, I love that you guys called it the Meteor Express. <laughs> it's it's the last bastion of creativity in Threat Intel to, to sneak in a nice I name. I love right? the naming. I just, I, I mean, I, the creative naming just gets me going. It's awesome. It's, but I, but I love everything about this, and I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but, you know, I, I love that there was kind of like this epic kind of trolling by the attacker and, and you know, how they were directing to, you know, kind of uh, who they were directing to call, you know, with right. complaints or, <laughs> or you know, in, in the signage and, and all the things. So I, I please, please tell, tell our listeners um, more about kind of what you learned about this. Okay, so this is a it's a kind of a complicated story and a, and a really interesting one. And I don't know when this is going to go out, but like it, it continues to develop. So there's some things mm-hmm. in there that, you know, I want to touch on that are not in the report and that it'll probably keep evolving by the time that Love folks it. listen to this. Like how much so- time do you need? <laughs> <laughs> we'll record it. Rachel and I'll be quiet. We'll sign the NDAs whenever oh, you need. No, we'll no. release it when you let uh, us know. No, let, let me, I'll be as forthright as I can be, but I think, you know, this is going to keep evolving beyond today. Uh, so we got into this thing about Meteor Express, right? The uh, There's a wiper attack in Iran and the sort of the, the railway system. Um, and it's particularly funny in a sense because you mentioned the, you know, this epic troll, right? They, they wipe all these systems. They take down uh, the ability to coordinate these trains. And all of this displays have a picture that says, you know, Trains delayed due to cyber attack. For more information, call this number. I think it's like 64411 or something like that. And it turns out that it's uh, the uh, Supreme Leader's office uh, in Iran. So I think, you know, epic troll, absolutely hilarious. Uh, now, that being said, I, you know, I try to keep the glibness in check because yes. the other element of this is, well, somebody just deployed a wiper on critical infrastructure somewhere, exactly. right? So, like, that's the part where, like, we're kind of laughing and, and it's Iran, so everybody finds everything acceptable when it's, you know, when it's Iran, North Korea, certain places, you're like, oh, fair game. Uh, but something, you know, I feel like in a sense, uh, someone was willing to do something that uh, had it happened here, we would have been right. over the moon about, right? We would have, Sorry, we would have been very, very upset about. Right. Um, pretty pissed off. Well, yeah. I guess that's a question too. Is it, I mean, why there? You know, is it a test? Is this like a test oh kind of kitchen activity well, or? 
I don't think so. So I think okay. this this is where, you know, um, okay, let, let's cover the basic ground and then we're going to go okay. into kind of what's going on with this, right? Okay. So um, there was a report out of uh, an Iranian AV company of some of the components that they saw. And just based on some of that, uh, I was able to rebuild the entire attack chain. You know, thankfully, we were able to find all the files and figure out what happened. Wait a minute, there's an Iranian AV company? There is. I believe it's called Pardas yes. or something like that. Seriously? Well, if you, you have to think about it. Most companies know. can't do business with Iran, right? If we wanted no, no, to so sell they create their own. Right? That makes yeah. sense. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it puts them in a particularly disadvantageous position, to be honest with you. You know, most countries, this is AV inside ball, but most countries want to develop their own AV because nobody trusts right. foreigners. Right. Then they try to do it and they realize it's a monumental really task hard. and they, yeah, they... Uh, they claw well, back, and, and you know. who's buying Iranian AV software? I mean, there's probably only not a Iran. huge market either. <laughs> probably only Iran, maybe a few other Middle Eastern partners. But who uh, thought their trains would run on time if run at all? So I mean, anyway. Well, uh, it's not pick on them. <laughs> no, no, I think that, you know they're, Sorry, they're getting Rachel's their teeth. out. She's back to acting. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jags. They've gotten their teeth kicked in enough for the past few days. But you know, again. There's the glib side of this, there's the funny end of it, and then there's a really serious one, right? Like right. they're being ravaged by COVID. They have this horrible, um, you know, political system that that's showing all kinds of, of terrible abuse of folks and so on. And this, this story actually transcends into that. So again, getting to the basics, right? We rebuild this toolkit. It's an interesting wiper. We, I sort of got to detail everything. And the wiper is called Meteor. Um, that's why we called it Meteor Express. Um, I think it's particularly important to, you know, if you discover something, get to put your stake in the ground and, and name it artistically. Uh, so yeah, we right. call it Meteor Express. And it's a really interesting set of activity because, first of all, it doesn't relate to any known threat actor we had seen at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and also, it's oddly clunky and, and poorly dis deployed and mm -hmm. yet... There are elements of it that are very, very well done. So to me, it's not clear cut to say, oh, this is a very advanced, sophisticated right. threat actor. It is not. But it's definitely not somebody that just came out of the woodwork and figured out how to use a computer yesterday. Like there's something right. happening here. It was probably um, an Israeli college class is like, you know, final project or something. Well, you know, what's funny about that is I think a lot of, you know, this is where we get into some of the the complicated parts of threat intel, right? It's very easy for this to get politicized. It's very easy uh, to yeah. kind of misstep. Yes. And I've written a couple of papers about this because it, it, it causes a lot of anxiety for folks. Yeah. And I don't know how many people had seen this activity before I wrote on it, but I do know of some folks that looked at it and said, oh, this is probably Israel, and they backed off. Mm. Um, and I, I personally don't like that. I try to, you know, I, I, I've worked on American stuff. I've worked on European stuff. I've worked on um, you know, Israeli stuff in the past. And I really don't like the idea of just backing away from something because you think that it's a, a, a friendly country. Um, and in this case, I'll be honest with you. If you ask me for my gut instinct, I don't think it's not. Yeah. It's okay. underestimating the diversity of threat actors in the Middle East to think that every semi-sophisticated attack is Israel. And to be honest with you, the quality of stuff coming out of Israel is drastically higher. Right. It is okay, maybe higher. it was like a middle school classes project. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me so, put so it let to me you ask this you way. a question because this I saw it in the press, right. and I, and I've only as far as I'm involved, I only know what's in the press, and, mm -hmm. and probably not even half of what's in the press because I'm not spending a lot of time on this. But the first thought that comes to mind is, 
who the hell, Rachel, decides to attack the Iranian train system? I mean, who even thinks about Iran and the trains? Well, that's my question, too. I mean, that's why I wonder is, was it a test kitchen kind of scenario? You know, were you kind of like, eh, you know, kind of low hanging fruit to go after? It seems like an oddball target, right? It absolutely is. Yeah. An oddball target. Uh, But that's where, um, so, okay, so I put out my research and then Checkpoint came out, and I believe it's Itai Cohen and a couple of other folks over at Checkpoint uh, picked up on it and wrote, you know, their own follow up, and they found something interesting. Based on this Meteor Express stuff, they are able to find earlier versions of that wiper that are called Stardust and Comet by the attacker. Mm -hmm. And, okay, let's try to follow along here because it gets complicated, (laughs) right? I'm doing my best. Rachel's an actress, I'm a podcaster, but we'll do okay. (laughs) I just wish we had a whiteboard, right? Because I think the timeline's really important. Uh, So Checkpoint finds these and they realize that in the code, there's a reference to a group called Indra. And Indra yep. is a quote-unquote hacktivism group uh, gotcha. that's interested in attacking Syria, and they claim a couple of Syrian hacks. Um, it's, uh, they're really interesting targets. It's like a, a company that does money exchange services that they accuse of laundering money for the Quds Force, um, and, a, and a private um, airway company that's doing you know private jets for... Uh, Soleimani and other folks uh, in Iran and, and, you know, so very, very interesting, very well-chosen targets. Um, And then I like to point this out because if you ask me, and this is where kind of Checkpoint and I stand in in direct opposition, they think it's hacktivism. I do not. We have seen a lot of examples of nation-state groups pretending to be hacktivists. Yes. The North Koreans did it. They've done it several times with Guardians of Peace for Sony. They used to do the Who Is team. Uh, the new Romanian cyber army. They've created a bunch of fake fronts for their activities. And so have the Russians. The Russians did Gucci for 2.0, Anon Poland, Cyber Burkut, Cyber Caliphate, uh, Yemeni cyber army. They've created a bunch of these things mm-hmm. where they make it look like it's organic hacktivism and in reality, it's the same old threat actors right. that you can think of, and they're using fake fronts to right. um, justify their hack and leak operations, right? Rather than saying, look, we're, you know, we're the GRU providing you with stolen info. It's, well, no, we're patriotic hackers out of Ukraine or whatever. Um, yeah. So maybe yeah. I'm overly primed to look at it this way. But mm-hmm. to me, this has all the markings of a fake hacktivism front. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I said, you know, this is a continual, this is, this is a story that continues to develop and will probably develop further beyond when this podcast is revealed uh, or released. It's because what Checkpoint finds to me is a specific time delimited campaign. You see a couple of attacks in Syria with this toolkit under the banner of Indra. In November 2020, Indra goes dark. They stop posting on Twitter, they stop posting on Facebook, and they stop using Stardust and Comet the way that they were coded. Instead, we see Meteor being coded with no reference to Indra in January of 2021 Hmm. and deployed in July of 2021, along with a couple of other mysterious hacks in Iran that we haven't been able to investigate. The latest of which is Evan Prison. And I don't know if, if you 
guys got to see the news out of this, it is really interesting and kind of terrifying, right? So um, a hacktivist group, quote unquote, hacks Evan Prison, which is believed to be one of the darkest places on Earth. It's basically where, you know, the Iranians take political prisoners and whatnot. And they steal tons of footage from the security cameras inside of this prison, publicly release it, and then lock up and wipe the machines. And in that footage, you can even see the machines being locked up and wiped. Um, you can watch the operators in that in that prison basically see this happening. And frankly, you know, I can't make a solid assessment because I'm not doing IR on those systems and I don't have any samples. It looks like the same functionality as Meteor Express. That is not enough for anybody to make a solid assessment. I'm not going to put my hands in the fire about it, but I'll say that it looks very similar. Mm-hmm. And the day that this hack is announced, we get a new account called Edelat Ali, a new hacktivism front that claims the Evan prison hack and does the same mega.nc massive dump of stolen stuff and continues to have a social media presence and, and promises more attacks. Wow. To me, my speculation is we're seeing a group adopting fake hacktivism fronts first for a campaign in Syria, now for a campaign in Iran. And to me, that's foreign influence. To me, that's an established group of some right. sort that is basically whitewashing their exfil through seemingly, you know, oh, this is organic hacktivism. People have had enough. They've decided to do this hack. Um, we would all love to believe that hacktivism is alive and well, and maybe it is in places like Belarus, but yeah. I don't think that that's the situation here. That's that's my honest take on it. Yeah. So who attacks an Iranian train system, right. an Iranian prison? Well, like, you like have the, just. I'm trying to put that together, like motivation. You know. Yeah. What's the motivation? Yeah. Disruption. Let's put it this way. Um, again, folks tend to immediately think about, you know, for example, Israel in in this context, but. Not only is Israel there, but the United Arab Emirates is there, mm-hmm. Bahrain, Jordan. There's a, Lebanon has been shown to have their own uh, cyber espionage capabilities. There are quite a few well-resourced groups. And in particular, I mean, we've been seeing a lot come out about the Emirati cyber program between, you know, stuff with dark matter and, you know, everything that happened post cyber point contract and, and the amazing stories that Chris Bing put out on Reuters about karma and how, you know, former NSA contractors had basically been helping them build capabilities in the Emirates. I mean, I, I'm not pointing at them in particular, but I'm saying we're oversimplifying the Middle East if we think that it's really one you know, one attacker and one victim in, in either direction. I mean, the Iranians have been pissing plenty of people off with their own wiper attacks for years now, including the Saudis. Yeah, but who do you who do you hurt if you hack the prison and the train system? Well, I like, think you in a it? sense, right. you right. in a sense, what you are doing is chipping away at the legitimacy of that government. It's not that you are really going to disable them. It's that you're essentially showing this general uncoordinated weakness right. that comes along with being unable to to stand up to some ephemeral force. Worse yet, okay. when you can claim that it's locals, right? The idea that your own people are against what you're doing is part of the propaganda force that comes along with a hacktivist right. group. 
So then if you take the train system, which a lot of people use, right? I'm assuming the, the administration, the, you know, the people running the company have private cars and planes mm-hmm. and helicopters and things, but the people are on the train system. They use 644411, the, the uh, phone number, I guess, for I think that was the, the Supreme there. Leader's Office. <laughs> right? So I, I understand that. In the prison, showing what's going on in this very yeah. dark place, mm-hmm. maybe you start to pull it together, I guess. You're right. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're, you're questioning- It does make them look bad. You're putting into question the legitimacy of it. I, I think it's right. important in a sense because it's a lot easier to deny obscure hacks that right. happen inside of some, you know, the ministry. Because apparently they also hack the Ministry of Urban Development and Roads or something yes, like that. Yes, and, you yes. know, it's like, I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> they can just say nothing happened. And the Iranians often do. They either, right. that government will either come out and say, oh, my God, we are being pummeled by cyber attacks and it turns out to be nothing or they'll say nothing happened here and it turns out Mm -hmm. that you know a whole ministry got taken down so uh, in a way targeting something that normal everyday people rely on is a fantastic way of just showing you know egg in their face right Right. this is not the powerlessness the powerlessness of leadership right right Right. it's something that began with with stuxnet i mean we're talking about Part of the, and I, I hate to invoke the ghost of Stuxnet because it's brought up in every conversation, but um, part of the power of Stuxnet was psychological. Once the, the Kim Setter wrote such a fantastic book on this. If folks haven't read it, Countdown to Zero Day is probably the best threat intel story out there. Um, Kim Setter is a fantastic journalist for this, but part of the effect of Stuxnet was they were doubting their own competence. They were firing scientists. They were, you know, chasing their own tails, replacing equipment. Um, It's a psychological effect to say, oh God, we just can't get our act together to get this done. Um, And now we've got something similar. You know, we're experiencing it in the US too, right? The ransomware epidemic for enterprises is definitely making us look like this horrible, I think I use the expression roided out sitting duck, right? Like we're the most powerful cyber nation on earth, but <laughs> we're also just getting slammed all day and we can't do anything about it. Um, and you we know, have a show title, Rachel. Uh, I know, that's what I was a just A roided out now. sitting duck <laughs> oh my God. with Jags. No, but, but, but you're right. I mean, they're, they're incredibly vulnerable, easy targets and we can't do a yeah. lot about them. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it, it's a sad situation to have what is arguably the most power in cyberspace and to have your hands the most tied out of anybody right. else, right? The U.S. Well, is probably the most vulnerable, too. Yeah, we're all, you know, I, it, that we're all comes down to dependency. It, it yeah. comes down to dependence on technology, right? Like, yeah. it's such an enabler, it's such a source of our uh, power. And, and it, and, you know, we have the largest corporations economically, the largest corporations on the planet, they're all technology companies. Right. Um, and that shows, you know, the, the great promise of America is largely built on the tech sector right now. So if, if you can chip away at our ability to depend on that, right. you know, I think that's part of the ridiculousness of the arguments that we have about cyber war and in particular cyber on cyber. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, oh, if we get hit, then we're going to retaliate with cyber. It's like if you take down some systems in, in Russia or in Iran or in China, I mean, if the trains aren't working. We'll walk like they're <laughs> fine. If you do that in the U.S., like look at what happened with Colonial. They didn't even right. hit the OT system. They just took down the billing and I had to pay 
like $75 to fill out my tank here in, in Miami, even though that pipeline doesn't even reach here. Well, what it, about it the people enough. who are putting gasoline into, into plastic bags? Yeah, there's our, some problems. Our I collective agree. wisdom is not what, it, what we'd like it to be. Yeah. That could be a different show title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had someone, uh, there was uh, someone in Texas that had filled a trash trash can in the back of a pickup truck and there wasn't even a top on it so i'm like how do you how do you drive yeah. that well you're just getting high on the way out aren't you right like, oh, just high on one fumes. spark though you're yeah. you're a, you're a firework i don't know what to tell you yeah we're not going to fix that one today so no. so jags i think we're going to turn this into a two-parter these stories are awesome absolutely uh, but how, how'd you get how'd you get into this career path like how yeah. did you say this is where i want to go uh, so my career path is super, um, unlikely and, uh, I, I'm incredibly fortunate to, to have ended up where I did. I was a philosophy major and that, that was my whole thing. I was just going to kind of stick to really obscure German philosophy that nobody ever wants to read. Um, and somehow, <laughs> you know, that, that turned into a lot of intelligence analysis work, which I really enjoyed and eventually being on the receiving end of a lot of cyber attacks and no having no local expertise, yeah. you know, develops into uh, a fascination for something that was not immediate to, to my skill set, but that was interesting enough to be worth the, the dedication and devotion to try to learn and learn and learn. And um, I, I credit my time at Kaspersky a great deal. I had the pleasure of working in, in the global research and analysis team for, for, for some years with amazing researchers like uh, Kosen Ryu and, and Kurt Baumgartner and Brian Bartholomew and all these fantastic folks who, who took the time to, you know, teach a lowly analyst how, how to do things. And, you know, it's just been getting into trouble ever since right uh, like i mentioned i <laughs> i don't i lack the common sense or at least the the survival instinct to not look at certain things and it has led me down some really interesting roads that so but you're not you're not getting a job as an obscure german philosopher at kaspersky on that right no, i mean no. like where are you working where you determine like that path because we have a we have a tremendous amount of need for people right. like you Yes. Not, not Rachel yes. and I, although well. actresses, of course. But, <laughs> but like, how do you get started? Because we get, you know, a lot of people want to know, how do I get into the business? Yes. Yeah. Like, what's that journey? So I think my journey isn't necessarily the one that I would um, immediately prescribe for others. But I would say I am definitely not an outlier in the threat intel research space in the Agreed. sense that there's a lot of folks that you know, I know a lot of folks that never graduated high school, they got their GED and they just, you know, went into this because uh, it's what they loved. And I know people that are, you know, PhDs in physics and just people that are just all over the spectrum who just love puzzles and, and uh, love doing this kind of research. And I think that should be encouraging, particularly to folks who have a mind for critical thinking, who have a mind for everything that would make you a good intelligence analyst or somebody who's into international relations and geopolitics yeah. to say, look, just because you don't have the technical formation right now doesn't mean you are barred from the space. Right. Uh, I've gone on the record and, and I did this at, at a Carnegie Mellon lecture, which was probably not the nicest thing to do for like a, a tech, a purely technical department. But 
I've gone on the record to say that I would rather hire a really smart um, international relations or intel analyst mm-hmm. and teach them the technical stuff right. the way it was taught to Correct. me rather than take a CS grad and try to get them to think more broadly and try to right. understand, you know, motivations and, uh, and qui bono and, and international relations and what happens between, you know, Iran and the Emirates and so on. That's, it's so much harder to broaden a technical person's thinking than it is to take a broad-minded individual and, yes. and teach them technical things. Right. You know, it reminds me, we had George Randall on, I don't know, a year or two, year and a half, two years ago probably, He's from the HR talent acquisition perspective, and, and he wrote a book on um, the, the talent war, and he talks about one of the major themes is hire for characteristics, train for skill. Don't hire for mm-hmm. skill, right? No. And and one of the stories they use in the book is a you know, Navy SEAL story. Like every Navy SEAL who's a Navy SEAL already went through BUDS, the Navy SEAL training program. Right. You can't get non-Navy SEALs with BUDS qualifications. So you've got to look for the characteristics. You can't say looking for a Navy SEAL to be a Navy SEAL because they already are. Right. Right. You've got to look for the people like you out there that have those characteristics. So when you say you're an obscure German philosopher, <laughs> like that's what you, like that was your interest. Yeah. To me, having having actually worked with and, and, and you know, I was managing, overseeing, I guess, um, a, a malware an advanced malware lab capability, they were all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we provided Xboxes, Nerf guns, you know, crazy <laughs> wacky lunches, but but the 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 spread of a variety of the people in the lab mm-hmm. who you're working with Marco Figueroa right now. Yeah. I mean Marco's not normal, let's be honest. <laughs> right? But yeah. he's a, he's amazingly capable and brilliant. Right. Yeah. Um you've got to look for people who have characteristics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to put a job ad out for looking for obscure German philosopher. <laughs> right. Like, it you doesn't work. Not, do not do that. Um, so that, that's why I ask about your journey, because I think yeah. it's I think it's something that there are a lot of people across the globe yes. who, who would be really good. Yes. At this yeah, business. I, I think so. There's a couple of things here. Um, one of them is. It's a shame that we don't have a good talent pipeline. I think a lot of universities yeah. are kind of failing to, to put this together. And, and it's just, it's a shame that we don't have a way to really churn out talent because we need it. I mean, I am not worried about job security. Nobody in this space should be worried about job security. We have enough work for 10 times the amount of people that we have here. So please bring them along. Right. Um, the issue is right now we're kind of living in the apprenticeship model. Uh, you, you're, if yeah. you're lucky enough to go somewhere with great folks, then you learn from them how to do things. And then someday you, you pay it forward and you teach somebody else how to do things. Um, and that's tough, but I, I, the corollary for me is look at something like Bellingcat. Like Bellingcat is fantastic. It's brilliant. It's a I'm not collective. familiar with Bellingcat. Forgive me. Oh my God. You you're, you're missing, you're missing out. You're missing out. So the, the educate, uh, me. educate me. That's why we do the show. Bellingcat is a UK collective of citizen journalists. Okay. Um, basically, people who really like are passionate about some obscure subject and decide to use open source intelligence to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, they've done okay. really notable work, for example, investigating the downing of MH17, the poisoning of the Scripples in the UK. They've done a lot of very significant work. They're also. Um, helping to track, you know, um, 
human uh, trafficking victims, like anything that they can basically, you know, take some leads of information and use open source intelligence to just figure out what's really going on, identifying videos of victims in, in Africa. You know, what country is this? Who did this? You know, um, it's fantastic because honestly, there isn't a um, there really isn't any gatekeeping about who can be a part of this effort. It's very easy right. for folks to come in and say, you know what? I just really care about this. I'm going to learn the OSINT uh, tools and techniques and I'm going to contribute and other folks are going to check my work. And if it's worthwhile, we're going to publish it. Um, and I think there, there should be a similar mentality when it comes to threat Intel and InfoSec, which is to say, look, start your blog, start your journey, tell us what you're working on, show us what you're learning. And it's, I think, yeah, you're not going to put out a job requirement for someone who's into obscure German philosophy, but I think it's much easier to extend the hand to somebody who has a blog and you're like, well, like, I mean, they don't know everything, but you know, this, this person, they're a student or whatever, or they're just a random individual who, who really cares about this. Like they're onto something. Well, let's help right. them. So I, I think that's an easier way to get a foot in the door to show your curiosity and show what you can do on your own. And, you know, good hiring managers should be able to say, if they can do this on their own, imagine what they'll do with our tools and our mentors. Right. And, right. and when we're mentoring them and working exactly. with them. So one of the pieces of advice then is get creative, get out there. But also when you look for that first or second job, find a good mentor, find yes, somebody yes. who can teach you because it is yes. an apprenticeship model. Yes. I, I would argue with that. The only difference I would say is you can look at things like maybe DHS, but definitely NSA, Cyber Command, CIA in the States, mm -hmm. GCHQ in the UK. You know, I'm sure the Iranians have a have a good training program too over there. Wow. Um, and, and, and the offensive work does, in, in my experience anyway, it, it does make good defensive people. Like mm -hmm. that's probably the most structured training program. You're not going to go to a college necessary and be – and, and figure this stuff out overnight. Um, but if you're doing the offensive stuff, you get to think like the right. adversary and then can defend somewhat against them. Yeah, I think that's an interesting argument for folks to consider going the government route. I mean, obviously, uh, great to be able to serve your country. And to be honest, even though you're going to be underpaid, you are going to get opportunities to do things you're never going to be able to do anywhere else, right? Like I can't, exactly. I can't hire you and say, hey, go pop those command and control servers and let me know what you find. <laughs> Um, so there's some, there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, I think from the industry, we can uh, I think we have to admit that, for example, Unit 8200 has figured out how to churn out amazing talent. They are on to something. Israel, that the rest Rachel. Of, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the rest of us are not on to. I mean, they just churn out yeah. a massive amount of great people. We should probably ask them how to set up a talent pipeline. Well, and look uh, at the flourishing cybersecurity industry in Israel, yes, I believe. Yes. Much due in part to the work that's done over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something to be said for there is a way to do this. I think we're right. being... You know, maybe we're being failed by the rigidity of the academic space not to set up better programs for it. Uh, but in any case, uh, this is also a space where knowledge isn't obscure. You right. can find most of the great tutorials for learning how to reverse and debug are freely available online back from the late 90s, early 2000s when people were just trying to crack software because they lived in Eastern Europe and they couldn't buy it. Uh, right. Most of the stuff you need is freely available no starch press does sales on their books basically every month. And, and if you are a starving artist and you really can't pick that up, you could probably
probably steal them online. Forgive me, Bill Pollock. <laughs> uh, but I'm saying you can get your start. You can right. do it. It's it's right. more about dedication. And I think that's something that we should we really shouldn't underestimate, even for people that already right. have their foot in the door. If mm-hmm. you are purely an Intel analyst, find the time to learn the technical side of the house. Right. The more that you need to depend on other people for your technical end, the more you're missing parts of the picture. Right. So, you know, not to not to Great preach advice. against work-life balance 100%. or whatever, but yeah. if this is your passion, there's a lot of room to grow. Absolutely. Great advice. And and even reach out to famous published researchers. I'm betting 9 times out of 10 they're going to if if somebody reaches out and says, "Hey, I have a question about the industry." Yeah. I'm betting people answer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, DMs are open for a lot of folks and Twitter has given everyone a voice for better or worse. Um, and you can you can reach out to amazing individuals right. and half the time they'll answer. So, yeah, might as well try. Uh, wow. Fascinating, Rachel. Huh? I know. What I know. Way to I'm end the like week. Stunned silence. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you didn't have this on the set with all my children. No, no, it was quite different. It was. We've quite given different. her such a hard time about her. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I'm so. Are you, are you kidding, Jags? I am so impressed. <laughs> it's a diversity of skills. It's a wide range of skills. Exactly. We're representing exactly. Exactly. And cyber takes all comers. I love That's right. that. Yeah. Rachel is amazing at what she does. So, so a couple of years ago, we were at RSA, and we we did a show. Rachel was going to listen in one of the podcasts, and. We surprised her. I was with our CTO at the time. We were doing a show about RSA and, and Rachel was the featured guest. She was supposed to listen in. She had no prep or anything. <laughs> we're huddled around a, a little uh, Blue Yeti mic in a room right off of Moscone Center. Yes. And uh, we put Rachel on the spot and she was freaking amazing. I don't know the podcast it was episode. a lot of fun. Yeah, but we'll have if, to look if, it up. Yeah. If you're in marketing, if you're in PR and you're running shows and things, go listen to it because she talks about what it takes to put the show on. Right. Anyway, she was a pro was a day one. I mean, I mean, she had no idea. She came in live about, I don't know, Rachel, 30 <laughs> seconds into the show. We announced you as the feature guest and she just rolled with it. And that's her acting way. experience. Uh, She's a it, pro. Well, it helps when you have good people to talk to, like today. I mean, it's you know, fascinating people with all these amazing stories. I mean, it, it makes it really easy too, to have a really good conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, honestly, I don't get to nerd out about these things often enough. You know, you're running, looking at the next case, but there are so many great stories in the space. And there are great stories. We can't yes. wait to hear the. What do you think's next? Are you working on anything next? Oh, all kinds of things. So, I mean, we, we try to, there is a, a bit of a competitive streak and we all kind of try to impress each other and, and come out with new things. So I'm Throw actually. Throw the challenge out there now. Lay the gauntlet <laughs> down for everybody in the business. Uh, well, so I'm working on some, some special techniques to analyze Go malware. There's, uh, there's some really, I like to do something that, you know, we've nicknamed cyber paleontology. Like I like to look back at stuff. We tend to, the industry tends to be very now focused, you know, monster Mm -hmm. of the week. Oh my God. Solar winds. Oh my God. Kaseya. Oh my, like every week is a different thing. Um, and the truth is that we don't have the resources to ever fully analyze any of these incidents. So I like to, you know, me, Kosen Ryu, a few other folks really like to, uh, take old incidents and say, well, what, what can we understand now, right? In the, in the right. vein of Moonlight Maze, you know, what, what do we understand now? So I, I'm working on a really old school operation 
um, now. And honestly, I'm just waiting for the in-person conferences to really come back so that I can have a good venue to be like, all right, like this is this thing I've been working on. <laughs> now um, you're hitting my air of expertise. Guess what? They're <laughs> shutting down. We just oh had another God. government sh conference shut down today. I don't think you're going to be back in person until probably second half of 22 at this point. Ooh, you're killing you know, January, me. January, January, you're put January. Me. Okay. <laughs> Maybe April. I'm betting I'd put a dollar down. No, uh, no January, but Lie anyway, Jags, I don't, I, I, I don't want to bust your bubble. I just want to be honest with you. Oh, we're, we're seeing just, them cancel. I'm selling myself the dream just cause you know, my, my inner attention whore, uh, you know, yeah, they can't take it. I need to get on stage and, and show I'll off. Come back on the bit. podcast. I love yeah, to. We'll, yeah, please. Yeah, we'd love to have you. That's amazing. <laughs> well, we have a lot more stories to cover. Okay. Wonderful. Well, Rachel, cool. it's Friday evening this time. We're recording. Is. is that a wrap? I think that's a wrap. Yes. Take us home. All right. Well, everyone, thanks again for joining us for this week's podcast with Juan Andres Guerrero <laughs> Sade. Well, there you go. Close. Yes. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Better known as Jags, but what an amazing conversation. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. We, we can't thank you enough. Thank you both. Oh, this was fantastic. I appreciate it. Um, this was all, outstanding. Yes. I, I, hate, I don't even want to ruin it, but you have to put the plug in, smash the subscription button, get a fresh <laughs> episode every single week in your email. Uh, and it's like Eric and I are just, you know, showing up at your doorstep and, and having a nice conversation. How lovely is that? So, I live for that laugh. <laughs> so until next time, everyone, stay safe. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 